All right, everybody. This is episode 28 of the Beef and Bitcoin podcast with your host, Brett CH. Today's single topic, uh, backed, started its user accepted, uh, user acceptance testing today on the 22nd of July. And, um, while it doesn't sound like the most exciting news in the world, because it is just the testing of their um, Bitcoin settled uh, futures contracts, it, um, it definitely has tremendous implications that we thought were worth covering kind of just in a, in a single episode. But, um, you know, before we get started, man, how you doing? How's oh, Bitcoin yeah. been treating you? It's been treating things most people pretty well. I mean, again, we're recording a day later, it's still above 10,000. Um, it's still kind of interesting. It's still pretty quiet, like relative to last time, as we spoke about before. I obviously don't want to talk with us for the whole time, but it, relative to 2017, um, you know, I guess we just need a new ATH to really spark interest. Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, I think that's pretty fair. Um, and I guess you know, if you hadn't been in before the prior bull market, um, everybody was probably waiting for that thousand dollar mark that twelve thirteen hundred dollar mark to be broken before it was off to the races and you know for all the new people stepping in in 2017 those were new all-time highs right who would have knew where we were going to go to twenty thousand later that year uh so maybe it's the same this time around but i i agree with you it's quiet um it is slowly but surely making its way um north i guess you could say and it's <clears throat> expect the unexpected i think is the best way to put it yeah it's a very good way to put it. Um, but you just want to jump right into this box? Yeah, yeah, let's jump right in. So it looks like the... <clears throat> so as we said before, the user acceptance testing started today. Um, the backed futures product is a Bitcoin settled product um, as opposed to a cash settled product that... Uh, similar to what the CME futures are. And it's nice to see um, Bact and other other firms like LedgerX taking the uh, Bitcoin settled approach just because it it's, it's better for the ecosystem. It's taking advantage of some of the unique qualities that Bitcoin has with regards to uh, custodying the asset and being able to trade in these, you know, 24 hour markets. So, you know, the people who are trading the CME cash settled futures are shit out of luck when it comes to the weekend, but on, uh, you know, other places like when, when backed launches, uh, although I, I'm not sure what their time frame is from a trading standpoint. Uh, I was just listening to a, a podcast on ledger X and, you know, their markets are trading 24 seven and, you know, that's a unique quality of Bitcoin that you can send a deposit right now if you wanted to at, you know, 10 p.m. Pacific time and, you know, make a deposit on the exchange and buy an option, uh, you know, a few weeks out if you wanted to. And I think that's it's interesting because something like that just wasn't technically possible before to send the underlying asset to an exchange and then um, start to trade. Yeah, I, I mean, I still, I know it's a little history background, but like in the 1920s and before, even before then, like the stock market would be open on Saturdays, which could you, could you imagine that? Like today, no, that's you crazy. couldn't, yeah, like, you know, that would be so much more stress to, the, you know, the system in general. And when people like, there's a good tweet I saw recently, I'm just gonna, um, it was recent, probably a little bit ago, a month or so, 
when people complain about crypto exchanges going down and other things, people don't realize they're open 24 seven, 365. Um, and when you think about like the CME, uh, CFTC, or, you know, um, and the CBOE that, you know, they close down every day between, I want to say five, it's either, yeah, five and six or yeah, five and 6 PM. Uh, and yeah, it's Eastern standard time. And that's to, you know, make sure the exchange is, you know, whatever, everything's running properly. Um, and then the same thing with the weekends, uh, crypto here mentioned it is you know you're close from 5 p.m eastern standard time to on a friday until 5 6 p.m depending on what it, what's trading what asset is trading on sunday so that gives it a lot of time to you know fix system errors whatever clean things out that you don't get with crypto so when people say like you know something goes down in crypto every it's pretty rare too i mean consider it like you know you'll have exchanges have maintenance but in reality it's just a completely different beast in its nature um you know, as we've talked about before, there's just, there's so little needed for it, you know, in terms of um, manpower, et cetera, like that, you know, to run a crypto exchange. Right. It's totally, um, yeah, running a very efficient Bitcoin exchange is probably one of the most profitable businesses on the planet right now. I mean, BitMEX, I, I think their profits were like in the billions. And I mean, how many employees does BitMEX have, honestly? Have like, uh, like it, you know, just when you really think about it, you're comparing the earnings of BitMEX with, it was probably on par with like a Deutsche Bank, right? And one of them's insolvent <laughs> and yeah. the other is print, literally printing money. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's, it. but I think the point is that these I don't even like using the term physically settled futures, um, but this is definitely necessary plumbing that um, Bitcoin needs. You know, the as Trace Mayer likes to say, as one of the seven network effects, um, the financialization of Bitcoin. Right, we need the the plumbing necessary for Bitcoin to grow and flourish and get enough liquidity um, to start to become a contender as a a reserve currency or you know this global store of value and um it's all critical so now you have miners who can go and hedge themselves into the future or maybe into the halvening as an example um that just wasn't possible before and you know it's funny to watch a company like bitmain the uh the uh what would you call them a mining hardware manufacturer um, you know, they didn't do so hot in the bear market and spent a lot of time in R and D making and building ASICs for shit coins. And then you get wrecked in a elongated bear market that you weren't planning for and you need to be able to hedge accordingly. So this is going to be, um, in the long term, I think this is going to be critical, critical infrastructure and, uh, you know, should only be beneficial in the long run, but it takes, it takes time, right? Exactly. And I think there's a few important things I want to mention here. Um, I was reading earlier through the thing that makes Bitcoin really good. And it was mentioned in an article I was reading by Nick Carter was, you know, the settlement insurance, like once it goes through, once you send it, that money is going to the end receiving or the, you know, the other trend, um, the other end of the other wallet, whatever you want to say. And so basically, and that was a huge thing in the article mentioned, and there was that billion dollar heist in Bangladesh or whatever, and $61 million was not able to be recovered simply because with SWIFT, the uh, international transaction system, you once it's sent, you can't, you know, stop it. And that's, that's a key feature to the, uh, 
you know, Bitcoin system and also to the SWIFT system is that, you know, you have the assurance that once you send that money, it's going to re hit the receiving end and not get, you know, messed with or stopped or whatever. Right. That irreversibility aspect of a Bitcoin transaction of, you know, there's no way to call up a third party and say, hey, do you mind reversing that? I made a mistake. You know, that's, that doesn't happen with Bitcoin. And on one hand, you could say, you know, that's that's one of the big features of Bitcoin. That's what makes it so special. And then on the other hand, you have people saying, well, wait a second, you know, that's a that's a con in their eyes. And I think it's important to leverage and think properly about what that really means from like an asset standpoint, just because it makes everything so much more interesting. Um, you're comparing this final settlement and the assurances that that transaction will not be reversed. Um, and, you know, in that, the article that um, Brett referenced from Nick Carter talks about, uh, you know, the security spend of the Bitcoin ledger and how um, it, you know, with each block that goes by, that transaction is less and less likely to be reversed, right? So it's probabilistic. It isn't final settlement in the permanent sense, but more in the, it's going to be really fucking expensive to reverse it aspect. Yeah. And that's, that's the, you know, as I mentioned, it's just a key aspect and uh, obviously it's drawing more interest and there's another like point down here um, that Ari Paul had mentioned uh, the CIO of Block Tower, which is an investing company believes that retail adoption is enormous once a killer app or UI, which is um, user interface, makes crypto on ramp safe and reliable and easy to use like a PayPal or a Venmo. Um, Square Cash app's definitely one of them. It's definitely, but still not like, it's not an exchange by any means or something like that. And that's the big difference there. But um, a, a big thing to this is the institution should not dismiss, it basically says institutions should not dismiss crypto too easily because it has a 200 to 300% compound annual growth rate, which is CAGR. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, some of the things Ari, Ari Paul has to say, I, I don't necessarily agree with, but he's definitely right here. Um, retail, as much as they are participating in this market, it's really just for pure speculation, uh, which is a necessary part of, of uh, you know, price discovery with Bitcoin. But it's it's small dollar amounts, right? It's not tremendous volume. And um, Bitcoin does need to see that killer app kind of present itself before, you know, there's a wallet in every application, right? Or, you know, every single person's using it for that one killer app that uh, hasn't really presented itself yet, besides the fact that <laughs> it's this uncensorable mechanized money that is you know, the hardest money in existence, the ultimate store of value. I mean, all those things should, shouldn't be discounted, but from a retail standpoint, you know, it, they're not making a big enough splash to really make waves. What sends Bitcoin into the trillions of dollars in market cap is the big players starting to get in the, the pension funds making a very, a fraction of a percentage allocation to Bitcoin. Um, you know, those, those big, big players, and they need this type of product to be available. Uh, I mean, period. There's no getting around it. Um, and it seems like BACT is preparing for a fairly strong launch. And, uh, you know, they've seen a lot of growing demand and interest for Bitcoin futures. Yeah, and as we said before, like security is a huge part to this um, whole system is 
you know, especially when you're talking institutional money, um, they want to know that, you know, they aren't going to lose their money, you know, just in the proof of a magic hack or something just disappearing. Um, and obviously the obvious example is you could say Mt. Gox, but obviously the system's completely changed in that six years since then or four, six to five years, whatever it is exactly. But anyways, the point is, this is just going to allow bigger players to enter the space. And they were also mentioning like high frequency traders, which could be good or bad. Um, we'll see though. Right. Yeah. I mean, uh, I think anything that's helping to maybe increase the velocity of the asset might not be such a bad thing. Um, but we'll see how the algos end up <laughs> playing a part in this. I mean, it's not that they're not doing that right now, right? Well, there's a tons of bot trading on, bitmax or binance and all that stuff so nothing new but you know that's a different league of players stepping into the stepping into the ring um i think everybody should really be prepared for that because it could for the you know the retail shitcoin trader or whatever might might uh might get wrecked yeah no it's um definitely gonna you know, more institutional money comes in, it's definitely going to change the market for sure. Obviously, it will expand the market if institutional money starts entering. You know, not that there isn't already institutional money, but if we're talking, you know, billions and billions of more dollars into the system, just, you know, then that's going to change the game completely. Um, there's just no way around that. I mean, you're going to get bigger players, and it's just going to be a lot bigger fish in the uh, crypto sea, as one would say. Right, right. No, that's a good point. And I think it's it's necessary to bring just the for volatility to decrease for um, Bitcoin to kind of get to that next level. You need it to start knocking on gold's door from a market cap standpoint. And I think the the plumbing of the futures contracts, the derivatives, um, you know, more on ramps, getting more fiat on ramps into the system on a daily basis more consistently is beneficial. Um, I think it will be extremely volatile as we get there, but that's to be expected. I mean, Bitcoin, something like Bitcoin's never existed before. So of course people are going to speculate on it. Um, and you can't expect something to slowly become adopted as, you know, some kind of reserve asset without a little volatility in the meantime, right? It's not going to go from zero to money in the blink of an eye and have a fixed price, right? Yeah, no, and it's definitely, as we, I've mentioned before, fiat currencies are the farthest thing from stable. Um, so it's not, you know, granted, and sure. there's another way to look at it, as I've always mentioned before. It's not the Bitcoin is gaining a lot of money. It's the dollar or the euro or the yen losing against Bitcoin. No, and I think that's actually the correct way to think about it because it's... I mean, I, I think that's the correct way to think about it. One Bitcoin equals one Bitcoin. That's not going to change. But the the value of the dollar versus Bitcoin will absolutely change. And it has and it does every every second of every day pretty much. And it's um, consistently been getting wrecked <laughs> for the last 10 years, right? I mean, that's the chart's exactly like um, that popular chart of the dollar from like 1913 and it lost 95% of its purchasing power over you know, since 1913 or whatever, it's pretty much the same exact chart when you measure um, fiat and Bitcoin. Um, yeah, no, for sure. And it's just, 
again, it's one of those things, uh, you know, as I mentioned, it's, it's you got to look at it an inverted way. You know, the fiat currencies are completely in free fall, and it just seems against all apps. So it's one of those things that just uh, keep your, you know, eye out for, um, because I think it's only going to probably get worse as speculation gets worse. There's just no way around it. Human psychology, greed, it's just going to come back. There's no, there's no, you know, hard to say this time isn't different right yeah i mean it's and it's important you know the, the speculation aspect of you know the, the price discovery is important right and i mean you can probably talk more to this than i can about um the price discovery with gold when you know certain uh financial instruments were made available to the for the market to start trading i mean gold really um took off, I guess you could say, for lack of a better term. Yeah, no, when you look at the charts of gold, it's like ridiculous. When it, you know, when it was below $100, now it's, you know, when it went up to basically almost $2,000, the chart looks insane. And that's trillions of dollars. You know, that's a lot of money. Right, right. That's all the way to what, an eight, nine trillion dollar market cap in yeah. 30 years, I guess. I mean, it's a long time, but, um, it's funny because now you have a market that trades 24-7, so you see the way things play out, and it's way faster. Yeah, I mean, that's what gold looks like. It's pretty pretty insane. And, I mean, obviously it didn't have before, but it was gold was lower, you know, when it opened out of the gold window in 1971. So, um, yeah, it's one of those things to watch out for. And I think it's a good way <laughs> to end it and just kind of give you a clue of what happened with gold. And then remember that Bitcoin is now a 24-7 market and crypto cycles are much faster. Um, so, yeah. I don't know what to tell Stack, you <laughs> Stack sats accordingly. Yeah. Good luck. All right. Well, that was episode 28 of the Beef and Bitcoin podcast. Um, quick one here. Make sure you like and subscribe to the YouTube channel. Uh, give us a review on Apple Podcasts, follow us on Spotify, leave us a comment, send us a DM, let us know what you think. All right, everybody. Cheers. Cheers.